Good morning. Glad we can be together whether you're online or whether you're joining us at all of our campuses. And that's the last time you're going to see all that old footage. So grateful for today and for the testimonies we've heard from Teen Challenge. I've just had a friend whose um, brother took his uh, life through an OD situation the last couple of weeks. So ah, those stories just spoke to me powerfully. And I'm just reminded of how important the gospel is to us as we step into the conclusion. Today we wrap up this series called This Is Us, Step Into the Story. That's been the invitation. We're just asking you coming out of this pandemic season that it's time. Step into the story, re-engage if you've not already engaged with the mission and the ministry of Westwood and all that God is doing here. And it seems like such a great way to conclude conclude our series and anticipate Easter week just ahead of us to conclude with uh, the cup and with um, the bread and reminding ourselves of Jesus coming and his dying for our behalf. So if you're home, prepare your cup and your bread even now. Well, let's just do a quick review of where we've been in the series. This is us. We talked about our way of life, which is to be and to love like Jesus. And can I just say, only Jesus can be Jesus. Would you agree? <laughs> But when you come to faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells you, and the Holy Spirit actually mediates the presence of Jesus himself. So when we say to be and to love like Jesus, it's Jesus that we're speaking about alive in and through you by faith. And then we talked about um, our heartbeat, which relates to our purpose to know God and then to share Jesus through reaching people um, or loving others here, near, and far. And then we focused on those core values. We used to have many. We've just simplified our language on values to be Jesus, people, and rhythm. Three of them now. We can all remember that. Say that, Jesus, people with rhythm. I've had many people say, I get the Jesus one, I get the people one. What in the world do you mean by rhythm? That's my message today. Rhythm, to complement the words, simply means we live with open hands, gratefully receiving from God and joyfully giving it away. That with open hands has been our motto since the very beginning of our journey in 1995. Rather than saying motto, it's been our posture. It's the posture we invite you to live your life in with open hands. The longer version of this statement from 1995 is with open hands we receive from God all that he wants to give, believing he wants to give us a lot and with open hands we give it away, believing we cannot outgive God. Just a lot of words, we simplified them. Join me, let's say them together. We live with open hands, gratefully receiving from God and joyfully giving it away. You can remember that, that's the posture of life that we have. And I'm not sure if you know this element or not, but I'm gonna land it. This could be a really important message for your life, really important. There is an eternal rhythm of life. It begins with God and it flows through you. And God wants you to know it, to receive it, and to live in it. And rhythm is simply defined as a movement marked by the regular recurrence or natural flow of related items. And there are four related items in the rhythm of life. The first is God gives. It starts with him. Then we receive is the second element. And the third, we give. And the fourth, God receives. And we're gonna look at each of those this morning. I know that you're familiar with an ROI. What does an ROI stand for? Return on investment, it matters to us. We make a lot of decisions because we're interested in the return on investment. But can I tell you more important than the return on investment is your ROL, 
the rhythm of life. And that's what you're gonna learn today. Reinforce it in your life. It impacts your life. Your relationships, your workplaces, where you influence is all based on this rhythm of life. It's that important. And that's why it's a core value. Let's jump into it. Our first rhythm, our element of the rhythm of life is that God gives. That God is a giver. Or more declaratively, God is the giver. And I wanna anchor that in because some people view God as a withdrawer. We believe that God withdraws his blessing from us. We believe that he doesn't answer prayers the way that we want him to answer prayers. And before you know it, if you start to live your life thinking God isn't showing up in your life the way that he ought to show up in your life, you will soon begin to leave God out because why? He seems irrelevant to me. You'll cease from um, asking God for the things that you'll need and more dangerously even, you'll stop thanking God for all that he already gives. That's what happens when we're not living in the rhythm of life. And so the question really is, is do you believe that God is the giver? Yeah, at least here you do. But how do you know that you are living your life with that belief in mind? Let me give you a little simple test for today. I'm gonna invite you to fill in the blank. What I need right now in my life is what? What would you put there? I'm not saying what is it that you want in your life, you have many wants, but what is it that you need in your life? That need could be three or four or five significant realities in your life. I'm just asking you, what would you put there? So I placed in that spot wisdom. Wisdom to lead, coming through a pandemic two years long, a world that seems like it's moving so fast and we're having to adapt and change. Does anybody else feel the wind of that? How we're leading today, it, it's pressing me in to know, God, what do you have for us there? So where do I find this wisdom to lead? And I wanna invite you to, would you pray for me and um, I pray for you as the church family? Will you pray for our leadership board and our staff as we are trying to adapt to all the changes that are taking place? But where do we find that wisdom? Do we define the reality of the changing world? Certainly. Um, do I lean into my own capacity, skills, abilities, and history and journey because I'm no longer the youngest kid in the block? Not that I'm the oldest, but um, I, I've lived a lot um, in the journey. Do I rely on those things? Absolutely. But it's not the starting place. No, wisdom is the gift that God gives to anyone who wants to receive it to help us know where to go, who to become, what to do. And it begins with him. So I could easily rely on the history of my life, but the reality is I need to start with God every day. That God is the giver of this wisdom that I need or the need that you put here, it starts with God. Here, here's the test. You go to God um, to satisfy the need that you identified in this blank. Do you start with God or has it become a parenthetical, um, a parenthetical thought to bring that request, that need to God because you start to rely on yourself or other people but not God first. But it starts with God, not me. God is the giver and what a gift it is that he gives to us. When I think about all the gifts you could identify, top of the list, A number one, has to be that he is the giver of life, your life. The fact that you're here today is because God gives to us life and breath. Like in Isaiah, this is what God the Lord says, the creator of the heavens who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. So I'm gonna invite you to, this is a, an experience. This is a group experience together. It's the kind of thing if we all participate, everybody feels comfortable. 
It's really, I'm not gonna invade your comfort zones that much. Will you do this with me? Would you take a deep cleansing breath and then hold it for a moment? Join me. Hold it and let it out slowly. One more time. Don't take for granted. The breath you have has been given to you by God because he's the giver of your life. And we never want to forget the reality of that. In fact, Job reinforces it. And there's a guy who had a boatload of trouble in his life and he says, the spirit of God has made me. The breath of the almighty gives me life. It's reaffirmed for us in Acts where we read, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. And it's reaffirmed in James. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the heavenly, of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. That is, God is the giver. He was yesterday. He is today. And he will be tomorrow. God is the giver. It's the first element of the rhythm of life. And it's such a powerful picture for us to remember the goodness of who he is and all that he gives to us. This Bible that I have is, um, to me, it's a love letter. And for many, many years, um, from my 20s anyways, I've never viewed the Bible as just the Bible. It feels distant. I view it as a love letter. And when you read the Bible as a love letter, can I tell you, it just springs forth love in all kinds of new ways. I encourage you to read the Bible faithfully, regularly, see it as a love letter, and it's just dense. It's full of the promises that God gives to us in life and journey, and it's an important thing to sit into the words of his promise. I mean, out of curiosity, do you remember the first love letter you received in your life? And that would be a fun lunch conversation. Take that home with you. I remember my very first love letter came to me when I was in fifth grade. I know it doesn't seem even legal. <laughs> but that's when it came to me from Sally Sims. And can I just say, I don't know why a fifth grade boy would even see the beauty of a girl, but I did. And she was drop dead gorgeous in fifth grade. How can I even think that way? I had problems. I was concerned about myself. But then she is the one who sent me the first love letter, I'm just going to tell you. And she told me at school, I wrote you a love letter. And at the end post of the stairs going up into your porch of your outside home, I placed it, I lifted the cap, it comes out and the note is there. I'm telling you, I ran home after school to get that love letter. I pulled up the cap, sure enough, the letter was there and I sat on the porch and I read that love letter more than once, sentence by sentence, promise by promise. Fifth grade, I know but it meant something to me. I remember it all these years later. She's still a friend, by the way. Good friend, and just a friend. <laughs> but I'm mindful of this book, which is a love letter. And when we sit on it and read on it and soak it in, we find the promises that God gives to us to meet the needs that you put in that blank you filled out just a short while ago, and there are many of them. Herbert Lockler, famous Bible scholar, identified 7,147 promises in God's word extraordinary. One of those meets a need. They're dynamic. They come to us through all of our life. For some of you, it's forgiveness. You put in that blank spot forgiveness because of something you said or did. You just need the forgiveness of the Lord. It's a promise. He'll give it. For some, it's strength. You just are feeling weak need, and the reality of your life is you need the strength of the Lord 
And for some of you, it's direction because you're not sure where to go in your life or your journey and you put that in the blank. He satisfies the needs through the promises that he makes in his word, know his word, sit on it. And the, the, the need that we all have often is the need we call help. And on my desk, I have a quote from Eugene Peterson that's just a reminder to me that the great affirmation and insight of the life of faith is that help is being given all the time. Do you believe that God is a giver? Then you test it against the promises of God who promises to come and meet those needs, which is why I've shared with you a couple of times in the last five months, my mom died in November, and since that time, I've been in my morning prayers, concluding my prayer with the very same prayer, Lord, surprise me today with your goodness. It reminds me that God is the giver. I anticipate he's going to give something of goodness in the day. Mostly it's in small, simple ways, and occasionally it's in significant, magnificent ways. But I'm just telling you, I have not gone through a day in these five months where something of the goodness of God has not been revealed to me. There's always something good because God is the giver every day, amen? That's the rhythm of life. It starts with God. The second element to the rhythm of life is we receive, that we are receivers. When you take a look at Jesus' teaching and you look closely, you will find this little word, receive, appears again and again. It's like the thread throughout his teaching. It appears 114 times from Jesus, directly given to us. Like in the, the gospel scenario of John where you find that he is having dinner with his closest friends, it's the Last Supper, and he says, until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. He's giving us some pretty clear instruction. Ask. Let him be the priority. You come to him and ask. Posture your life with open hands to receive and watch what happens. A happiness rises. A joy rises in your life. The very first article that I wrote for Westwood for publication in 1995 um, was titled, It is Better to Receive Than to Give because I figured that that title would upset a few people because Jesus says you will be blessed more when you give than receive. And I said, no, it's better to receive than to give because we take that out of context and we make it the starting point, us, ourselves, the starting point of what we give. But everything that Jesus gave to the world, to us, um, is what he first received from God to give to us. That the rhythm always starts with God. It did for Jesus and it does for us to receive the abundance of God with open hands and then to give it away. And when we do, amazing things happen in that journey because then we start to see ourselves as a conduit to the blessings of God rather than as simply the cul-de-sac of just receiving it. And that's what Abraham learned too. And our purpose statement is based on the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis 12. He received the blessings and he gave the blessings away. When I was 28, and I was wrestling over that Abrahamic covenant, um, or, well, not when I was 28, yes, I was 28 actually when it came to me, but it was 28 years ago that um, I was praying and dreaming about starting this church in Chanhassen. And I took three days and I secluded myself. And in those three days, I was wrestling over the words that would become our vision, our mission, our values in that first iteration of what this church would become, the unique story of God and what would God have for us. And I was visualizing 
Abraham and how it was, knowing the purpose statement would be based on that. When God said, Abraham, I'm gonna bless the socks off of you, what was his posture? I just don't think it was like this. Okay, sometime I'll wait for that. No, it was like this, he opened his hands. And it was there in that secluded place during those three days that I first crafted the words with open hands, receiving from God all that he wants to give, believing he wants to give us a lot, and with open hands, giving it away, believing we cannot outgive God. All we're doing is simplifying it. I wanna reinforce it. Would you join me in saying these words again? We live with open hands, gratefully receiving from God and joyfully giving it away. That's the picture we have and I'm grateful for it. Because the consequences of not receiving are beyond detrimental to us. Um, if we don't receive, we will find ourselves in a place where we don't get God's best. We start defining what is best for our lives versus God. When we begin to give, we're gonna find ourselves giving out of our limited resources versus his warehouse of blessings. There would be far more for us to give if we know that God has given us more than ever we could have dreamed or imagined. And the greatest danger of all is you start to believe that you are the giver and it becomes about you, your life, rather than God. But I believe that all that I am and all that I have comes from God. Do you believe that? Therefore, I open my hands to be available to what he wants to do in and through that. And Jesus knows this, and he says, when you posture yourself to receive, amazing things will happen in and through you for the glory of God and for the kingdom of earth that we live in right now and the kingdom that is still to come. He, he, uh, he gives his disciples power, for instance, and they receive the power, and look what happens how Jesus instructs them from there. Once they've received, he says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. When was the last time you did any of those things? Freely you have received, freely give. Oh, there's a rhythm to life. And it makes me wonder, have we made God too small? Do we have just in our own lives, our perception, because we live in the comfort and the convenience of the world we live in, that we have a small God and a small faith, not a big God and a big faith who wants to do more, exceedingly more than we could all or think or imagine. But it begins understanding that God is the giver and that we receive from him all that he intends to give to us, believing he wants to give us a lot. So we have a signature story that we've told here the first 10 years all the time in all of our membership gatherings, et cetera, less so in the last half a dozen years. So for, if you've been here, you've heard it. This has been the signature story about our posture and how we want to be in the presence of the Lord. And if you're new, I think you'll appreciate it, especially as we're coming to Master's Week next week. I'm gonna tell you a story about Arnold Palmer. And it's a, it's a powerful story, simple one. Arnold Palmer got an invitation to go to a golf tournament in Saudi Arabia. It was a three-day golf tournament. And he went and was golfing there. And the king of Saudi Arabia said he wanted a private meeting with Arnold Palmer. It was granted. They met together. And in that meeting, the king says to Arnie Palmer, I want to give you a gift, a memento of your stay in our country. And we're generally uncomfortable receiving there's something about that we get awkward about. And he goes, oh no, that's, that's not necessary. You know, he's a millionaire in his own right. He didn't need anything else. I've just enjoyed playing golf in your country, being with your people. And so he just, he, he denied the gift. And he could tell he had offended the king of Saudi Arabia. By nature, it's just not good to offend kings at all. So he took a step back and he said, 
okay, uh, a nice memento, a gift for being in your country um, would be a golf club. That'd be a good thing to put on the wall. The next day, delivered to Arnie Palmer's hotel in an envelope was a title to a golf club, 160 acres, 18 holes, all the trees and the lake and the property to go along with it. And the moral of the story is, in the presence of a king, don't ask for small gifts. (laughs) And we stand in the presence of the king of kings. Jesus the Christ, the Prince of Peace. And when we receive him, it changes our everything in life and journey. And I'm so grateful for that. The third element of the rhythm of life is that we find ourselves in a place where we give. We open our hands to receive, and out of that which we received, we give. Abraham did that. He received these incredible blessings from God. Because God says to this guy, just a single guy, just a nobody, he says, I'm gonna bless you with land. That land became Canaan. I'm gonna bless you with a nation. He wasn't married yet with kids, but they became the nation known to us as Israel. I'm gonna bless you with a reputation that your name will be known all around the world. We all know the name of Abraham because of the blessing that God gave because it would be a name that would open the door for our understanding that we get to be recipients of the blessing as Abraham was as well. And he promised the blessing, and the core of that blessing, which we taught about earlier in this series, is the presence of God. When you know the presence of God is with you, you'll go anywhere, you'll do anything for the presence of the Lord to be magnified, and that's what he did. He received the abundant blessings of God and opened his hand to share it with the nations and the families of the earth to the end that we're even here gathered today is an affirmation of that very, very given blessing in our life and our journey. And Jesus affirmed this reality that we cannot outgive God. It's beyond what we could think or imagine and he affirms it by by giving a a metaphor from the agriculture environment of his time and place. Like we're we're like a container and his generosity is gonna fill us up in great measure and you find it in the Gospel of Luke. It says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap for with the measure you have, you use, it will be measured to you. Can, can I just take a moment on Jesus' words here, which is part of the greatest sermon that was ever preached in history. And Jesus is talking about the generosity of God and our response to it. Give and it will be given to you. Get ready. When you start to give, look what God will do. And then he uses this agricultural metaphor A good measure, so a container that is full, um, is is completely full, not skimpy, but full. Um, Pressed down, so you see the merchant pressing down, say, the grain in a container, so all the air pockets are gone, so that more could come in, more blessing is available. It's shaken together to remove all those pockets of air so that it's full, that the container holds as much as it can possibly hold, and then running over, that it's heaped up and rolling over the side as well as poured into your lap, a reference to the ancient clothing where people had pockets in their front, and that generosity of God going to fill those pockets um, full and overflowing. And then he says those incredible words, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Uh, Let me use a Minnesota metaphor to complement the agricultural one, that of a shovel, because we use it six months out of the year. (laughs) And he's saying, um, the, the, 
what you give, the, the, what, the generosity that you give with, the size of the shovel of what you give to others is the size of the shovel that God's gonna pour back into you. And it gets a little convicting because there are some who give nothing or maybe a little. So your shovel is the size of a teaspoon. And for others, it's a broader shovel. And for others, it's, um, you're so generous, it's like a front end loader. You just, you know God's gonna give back, so you just keep giving more and more because um, you follow the words uh, of the scripture that said, God says, test me in this. And many of you have tested God and the generosity of his good hand being poured into you. What a gift. I just say, if you don't give, you, you'll miss all the generosity God has for you, particularly his presence. Give to others, be generous to others. Give to the church of Jesus Christ um, with a generosity and watch what God will do in and through that. The, the multiplication idea that we hear so much about today comes from God himself. God is the multiplier. You give your time, he'll multiply your time. You give your talent, he'll multiply your talent in ways that you could hardly believe that he would leverage what he's already given you to have greater good and gain in this world for his name's sake than, than you could think possible. When you give of your financial treasure, um, he multiplies it. Whatever you give of, he multiplies it. And the scriptures even speak about how we give, which is found even in the statement that we give, and that is God loves a cheerful giver. That's the picture that you have, this beautiful gift of God who loves a cheerful giver because you cannot outgive God. We find ourselves in the presence of God who gives. We open our hands to receive, and then we open our hands to give it away. It takes us to the fourth element of the rhythm of life, and that God receives. And what does God receive? Glory. And what is glory? Glory is when you make God look good. You increase the reputation of God because you're living in the rhythm of life, and people see it. In fact, it's seen in the house of those who believe. It has an effect, and it's seen outside of the house with people who have yet to believe. Jesus says in Matthew's gospel, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. There's the picture you have. Both inside and outside, those who believe have yet to believe. We glorify God when we live in the rhythm of life, we make him look good when we treat each other the way he wants us to treat each other with the presence of God. When we get to be in love like him, it benefits the body, it strengthens the church, so it's not irrelevant, it becomes a shining light to even those who believe and are part of it. But then even to those outside, let them see your good deeds that they will glorify your Father in heaven. That the way we live in this rhythm of life is such an attraction and a light to people who are not living in that rhythm of life, that they see you and they go, what is it that you have? And they're drawn to want to glorify God because of the good things that you do in his name. And so this is our core value, rhythm. Will you say it with me one more time? We live with open hands, gratefully receiving from God and joyfully giving it away. I promise God will work in and through you to that given end. So this is us. I wrap up the series today. Can I give a couple invitations? It says, this is us, step into the story. Our prayer is that dozens, if not hundreds of you, will step, re-engage into the story. Thank you to all of those who already have. Two simple ways, taking the text from Matthew. For those not in the house yet, who have yet to believe, can I invite you 
When you come through our exit, um, if you're viewing online, would you take the invitation for Easter? It's called Rise. You glorify God when you give this invitation to people who you have yet to believe, who may not have a church home, and you invite them, come, be part, and hear of the goodness of God. You glorify God in so doing. Take two, take five, take 10. In your spheres of influence, give it away. And then also, um, the reality is that coming back out of this COVID season, we have real needs, and you heard invitations to get involved. Even with Easter, we could use hands and feet, but our rhythms have been disrupted a little bit. And the greatest challenge, quite honestly, is the comfort that home has brought for some of you. <laughs> and I'm all for comfort, but you know, pajamas, bagels, coffee, take in the service. Anybody been there? <laughs> We've all done it, especially during the time when we were shut down. But as we're coming out of the pandemic, it's impacting us in a couple of arenas, most importantly in the area of our kids ministry we have been known um, our reputation as we have amazing servants who have given so much to our kids I mean it's on the map we have an amazing kids ministry and many of you serve in it and I say thank you thank you thank you one of the rhythms that were disrupted in our daily way of being is that we have um, people willing to come for a Sunday and, and serve here or there but that has not been our mark we have been a people who've served our kids knowing they're the next generation for whole seasons in fact this came from a husband and a wife, I think it's really amazing. They've been serving for 12 years. They go, um, we asked them why you're serving. He says, we love getting to know the kids and their families. By being consistent presence in the one-year-old room, we give the parents the gift of being able to attend service, knowing their kids will be loved by someone they know and trust. In other words, it grows kids because they recognize the ones who are served. So we've tried to bring that stability of presence. I'm not asking you to serve for 12 years. Let me make that clear, <laughs> okay? But I am saying, would you consider, we have a group of people been praying that today we're closing the gap. We're stepping into the story. And how many servants do we need in our kids' ministry at all of our campuses? I'm gonna put it on the screen. We need 50. 25 in Chanhassen, 15 in West Tonka, and then 10 at our Bush Lake site. And I think that God is gonna prompt some of you to say, count me in, I'll be in. Even if it's a shorter season, if it's a longer season, that's better, but we think it's gonna take time to get into that place where we were previous to it. But you glorify God when you serve, and when you serve kids who are getting postured to serve God for the next generation. That's what we wanna be part of. Wow, okay, there was a lot today, wasn't there? This is us, step into the story. I'm gonna invite you to stand, and we're gonna come to this table together. Go ahead, you can stand with me. Stand in the presence of God, who so loved the world that he gave, because he's so generous, that all who would receive him would have life and life eternal. So when we come to this table, renew your faith. Step into the story of God's rhythm. Join me and let's pray. Father God, we come to this table and we do not take for granted your generosity. You are the God who gives, for you so loved the world that you gave that whoever would receive, we're opening our hands to receive your presence revealed to us in Jesus, your son, who is our savior, to the end that we could give out of that which we've received to your honor and glory, and then that rhythm continues again. If there be anyone here who's not lived in this rhythm, I pray that on this day they confess that to you before letting the bread and the cup come to lips. And for those who have, may we be refreshed that you came into this world when we take that bread it's a picture of your life in our backyard coming for us. And when we take that cup, it's a picture of your blood shed in Jesus' name.
So we come and we worship you in Jesus' name, amen.